Hey there, dear people. Welcome to For Real. I'm Kim Stewart, and boy, oh boy, do we have a super fun conversation for you on this episode. I made it exactly 0% in before needing an inhaler for laughing so hard, if that gives you any indication. Taylor Hughes is making a repeat appearance on For Real, and there is just something about talking about life with a close friend. Taylor does all sorts of fun things, like performing his engaging and hilarious solo act across the country, going on bus tours with our friend Bob Goff, making Netflix and YouTube specials, and now releasing his second book. We talk about it all, and we still didn't have enough time. That's what happens with good friends, of course, and I'm so happy you're here to be a part of it all. Listen in to the fun and delight and generosity that is my dear friend, Taylor Hughes. Are you crying right now? No, I am sweating. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie. Okay, are we? Is okay. this? Are, are, yeah, is this the, are we doing the thing? <laughs> should I? Should I begin? We I'll could begin. Stay. We don't have to. I just. I was dying. I'm like Kim would. If Kim could witness the preparation that guests go through to get ready for for real, it's uh Okay, now talk to me about that because first of all, there's no prep needed for me. Glasses are steaming up. <laughs> I'm indoors by myself. This is a problem. <laughs> This is, this well, is. You live in a warmer climate. Maybe no, it's the climate. No, this is this is my clue that it's time to. All right, let's <laughs> let's let's get the uh, let's get the workout regimen. If I'm winded from walking outside to the shed, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll, that's you, hilarious. Well, I'm getting up really early. I just want to say that again. You are, I don't talk to people with lip gloss at this hour of the day. And I know you didn't have to put on lip gloss, but every other part of it you probably had to do. You know, you need to comb your hair, you had to have your coffee, and you're here. I do the things. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, well, so, here's, so here's what's happening. This is why okay. I was late. I was looking for a nine volt battery. Okay. Because. Uh, I had, you know, my, back to the future. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, okay. So my office is in a tough shed in my backyard. Yes. That's where we're currently at. This is, this is the entertainment business for you. This I'm literally in a, like a seven foot by nine foot shed right now. <laughs> yeah. But look at you. All the people need to go to YouTube because you don't, you look like you're in a professional studio in Burbank. I am a, I am so adjacent to a chicken coop right now. It's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> So I come out to the shed and I was already like, I was already running late, but this is one of the problems of having your office at your house is yeah. you always feel like 100%. you don't need as much time. Same. And, and so I'm running outside. I'm like, I got to get out there. I got to, you know, and I was just traveling. So I didn't have my computer set up. So I'm like, got to go set up the stuff. I come out and my, we have a padlock on our shed. That's like one of those key, you know, key codes. Yeah, so yeah, you can yeah. feel cool yeah. and not have to have a key, <laughs> but the batteries died on it. Oh. <gasps> And you so couldn't I could, get I was, into your own shed. Yes. Yeah. And meanwhile, <laughs> all of a sudden, we have like a monsoon going on. Like, we don't get oh, rain here, and it's yeah. insanely pouring down all of a sudden. So I'm standing in the rain, and I'm trying to, like, you can, like, bypass it. with. It felt like an escape room I was trying to break yeah. into. Yeah. Only you own it. <laughs> yeah. Taylor, why didn't you text me in the rain or under shelter and I, say, I'm late? I was a little bit busy, Kim. <laughs> Okay. Point 
taken. I mean, not in the moment. I'm just saying, there's no oh, pressure here. You could have no. waited. You're sweating. Well, I- I You're told you it's because I was so excited. <laughs> this this legit is the one thing I have on my calendar today. This is this is it. Okay, well, right back at you because I woke up this morning. I was so happy. Thank you oh. for joining me on For Real in your sweaty, steamy I moment. Know. I know. It is great. The steam is great. Look, You're doing I great. Knew- Listen, you know, you know how like life just re- like gives you a little reminder that maybe you need to do things a little differently? Yeah. Like I, my priorities when it comes to like fitness and health are a little off. And in the, the biggest clue I got recently, someone asked me, they're like, if you could have a time machine and go anywhere in all of history, where would you go? And my first thought was I'd go back three years to when soup plantation was still open. If I, if I could have a time machine and travel anywhere, I just want to go to a buffet I miss. What the heck is wrong with me, Kim? <laughs> I need an inhaler. Um, that my- is an alarming data point. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna go with you that maybe let's open let's open the vista in addition yeah. to the buffet coming right. back. There are other yeah. times. There's other things. <laughs> or maybe you just really love great food and I am with you on that. Oh my gosh. That, oh, that, oh, that, that might be great. The- that might be the best and worst. T- Imagine if someone has discovered time travel, but they're keeping it to themselves just so they can go to like, I really miss Mervyn's. I don't know. This might be Midwestern, but we had Bonanza. Did you have Bonanza? No, that it's, sounds like a buffet. Is that oh, a buffet? It is. It was. It forever will be. And when I said the word just now, my stomach became leaden because, (laughs) I mean, we loved it and we were not helpful for their bottom line, our family of five. (laughs) What was the what was the thing? Because, you know, there's always a thing at a restaurant that when you think of that restaurant, what you really want Uh is that is that entree or whatever. What was the thing they had on the buffet that you remember going crazy about? I was always very fascinated as a child by the the ham carvers. I'm sure that's their official title. Yes. Well, they In had the that one. Cat. They had uh-huh. like the one medieval glove that they yeah. would have. So that, <laughs> and a and a yellow light, which yes. hypothetically was warming the 48 day old ham <laughs> that they had been shaving off for aeons. Yeah, I was into that, but I was always kind of a carb person, you know, get some yeah. uh, rolls, all rolls. I loved all the rolls, cinnamon rolls. I loved yeah. the yeasty rolls. What's yep. your, what, what was the, what's, what calls you over time to the plantation buffet? <laughs> they had, a, so, this is so silly, but they had a chicken noodle soup that I, oh. it was like the thick grandma noodles. Yes. Not, I'm not, I, I know just not, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, they're called grandma grandmother's noodles, or that you yeah, can buy the them thick frozen. Ones. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I just I didn't mean like a thick grandma. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you want to know like this grandma knows she eats a lot of noodles. She knows. She, I don't want a she grandma. She's beta tested. Yeah, she. Yeah, don't offend the grandmas, <laughs> yes. Taylor. There are grandmas listening, so mm-hmm. maybe yes. thick ones. Maybe, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's less the now ones. that soup plantations closed down. Or <laughs> we gotta for ourselves out in these streets <laughs> oh my gosh this is so great is um, this the hard-hitting content journalism people- <laughs> actually yes um listen taylor i have a couple questions for you not related to yeasty rolls okay 
First, will you catch us up? Because Taylor Hughes, the last time you were on this particular podcast, when it was a fledgling baby podcast, you were one of my very, very first guests. In fact, I feel that if I would go back in time in my own memory, which is sketchy at best, but I feel like you probably made me do this. I think you and Bob were the ones who were like, you know, I don't know why you don't have a podcast, to which I probably said, what even is it? And what do I do? And then you were kind enough to be a guest. And since that time, I wrote down a few points. I have bullet points here. (laughs) What you have done since we last talked on air, which was like two years ago, three years ago. Okay. You have embarked on, I believe, at least two. Is it three bus tours across the nation? We've done two. Two. Yeah, that Uh, was wild. Yeah. Again, all all crazy projects lead back to Bob. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. He has a wonderful sense of imagination and adventure, and we love it. Uh, A new YouTube special, solo Mm -hmm. tours, performances, a one-man show that I attended in L.A., and I cannot wait to talk about that. And you wrote a book. This is in the last 24 to 36 months, Taylor. Maybe the reason you're steaming today... (laughs) It's because you are relentlessly launching beautiful things into the world. Oh. So what about that? And here's my question. What keeps you going for that? Why aren't you a bank teller? Which would be much more consistent in terms of hours and pay. Yeah. But is nothing like the things I just mentioned. What keeps you going? I... I'll tell you what, I had a conversation with Katie recently and you know, we've, you know, all these projects sound great when you see them on social media and you're like, wow, how lucky, but people don't see all the chaos and heartache and the things that didn't happen or didn't work. And there was a time recently, uh, which we have talked about off, off mic, a you know, a hard thing that we went through and, and I just, I I told Katie, my wife, I was like, babe. I am going to get the most boring day job. I am going to have not even an office. I'm going to have one of those half partition walls where you can just, you just, you know, you just do this and you can see what everyone else is doing. I'm going to have one of those. Like I sometimes, I think, I think people, I think people who always have something that, that they've wanted to do, but they haven't done it. They kind of dream of doing a big project. And Mm -hmm. then I think when you spend a lot of time, you know, creatively gluing macaroni to plates and going, is this what you guys want? (laughs) Uh, I think you kind of dream of like, wouldn't it be like, sometimes at the coffee shop, I'm just like, wouldn't it be great just to be a barista? Like it'd be kind of (laughs) great. I bet, I bet they leave and they don't think about the, the coffee. A hundred the next day. percent. I am so glad you are starting with this after the plantation rolls and the uh, steaming, because that is one of the things I'd love to chat about. I think you're right that a lot of that if we just look at the feed of what right. you've been doing, you make it. And it's not that you, there's no artifice there. We're just all so excited about all of these things for you and your seamless ability to be funny and smart and go do a show and hop on a plane. You're right that not most people don't see that behind the scenes, a a lot of people have a team, like a right, gigantic right. team making these things happen or b, like the mere mortals we are. We're hustling, man. I mean, there are yeah. a lot of things that don't work, yeah. but you still do it. 
and you aren't yeah. a barista. So any any thoughts on why? I know you told Katie <laughs> you were going to quit and work at Starbucks, but why why not? What keeps you moving? I, I ever since I was a kid, when I was a little kid, like I was always making something. Like I I, I we uh, would be building a a stunt show in our backyard with the neighbor kids, or you I know, can trying see to that. get people to come, <laughs> or. Um, you know, making booby traps to hurt my sisters with. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I love, I think so much of life is not tangible. Like, um, especially when you're doing work where you're trying to make an impact or a difference. And, you know, we both grew up with this idea of like, we need to change the world to make the world a better place. Well, that stuff's not always tangible. And yeah, so I think I, I envy people who have, um, uh, honestly, more difficult jobs where they go and will like build a wall or build, uh, you know, they're, they're, like at the end of the day, they're like, look, I did a thing. And now that right. thing exists. And so I think um, for me, I'm always trying to think of like, what is something I can make that is actually will exist and just be a thing that's there? Mm. Um, it, it's kind of a reminder of, of the milestones and the markers of where you're at of like, oh, we actually have done a couple of things. And, you know, I don't know. It's just I'm fun sending you too. the list of all the things you've done. Yeah. In case you forgot, because that's the other thing you, I think in our line of work, yours is a little different from mine, but pretty similar. I think my instinct is to move to the next thing without, yes. without allowing myself this moment of, man, yeah. we did that. I did that. Thanks God for yeah. pulling me through that. And I did like, t I'm so forward focused sometimes that I don't take the second. And so as your friend, I'm sending you this list <laughs> later today. <laughs> so you have quantifiable things that you can say, yeah, I built those things. It's not the stunt um, course in your backyard anymore, but man, mm. it's really cool. What you're doing is so, so cool. Oh, and I gosh, love damn. it. Thank I'm serious. You. Oh, that's only just beginning. Um, <laughs> I am a little bit concerned that when I was trying to come up with an example of a job I appreciate, I said I had <laughs> like said I said literally said the phrase "build a wall," and I'm a little nervous that people think that is like a no, a not that kind statement. of statement. Okay, I just want to clarify. I I definitely took it towards uh, you wanted to be a general contractor. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. We're well, then we can edit. In. Then we can edit this part out instead of that part. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely not going in that direction. Um, you know I who have... my heroes are. Anyway. <laughs> okay, now I've really. Listen, no, that. actually, when you said that, I you think about being a barista. I think about when I'm starting to get um, fussy about not feeling like I'm really building anything, or I get frustrated with my work, or I feel like, man, I'm just spinning my wheels. You know what I want to do? Paint what? my house. This yeah. happens fairly frequently yeah. that I start fantasizing every single, in fact, Mark's nervous right now because every room is bothering me with the exception of the kitchen, yeah. which I painted last year. Okay. Every other room yep. in the house, I'm like, oh, I hate the colors in this room. And he, he gets a little twitchy. <laughs> He's like, yeah. can you wait until after a book release? I'm like, no, <laughs> this would be a perfect time to take on a gigantic project. And the reason is there's a beginning, middle and end for painting a room. And you can stand yes. in it and think, wow, I did this and it's done. That's and, not what hard work is. Well, and and the compression of time of how quickly it goes from being an idea to you go buy the yes. paint, then you tape things off. And within a couple of days, it's True. like you had the idea and now it's done mm. as opposed to, you know, you had an idea for a book. A and million you the years book, ago. And then, 
yeah. And that's that's another thing I think too, because you you talk about like sometimes we're always thinking about the next thing. I think as I think as people who are making projects, by the time the project is where you need to tell people about it, you're you're so sick not not sick of the thing you no, love it, totally, but totally, but totally. you feel like oh this is all I've been thinking mm-hmm, about or mm-hmm. talking about, and we both have books coming out and. I, I was telling someone yesterday, I'm like, I'm really good at making things and I'm really bad at telling people about the things I make. <laughs> so, so now I'm I like three weeks you. away and going like, I should probably, I should say probably something. say something. <laughs> <laughs> I totally identify with that. I just said to my friend Anne the other day, hey, can you, can you read this book? And she has read it once. She's on my team and she's amazing. And I, yeah. but I seriously said, I am coming up a little empty on what are talking points about this book <laughs> that I wrote because yeah. it's so familiar to me. It'd be like yeah. someone saying, What do you think are some of the greatest things about your kid? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. What? I can't, I can't go that, I can't go that granular level. Okay. Well, and this is why, oh, I was just going to say, this no, is why go. you need, you need other people. Like I have yes. my, like my Kim who works with me, um, we've been family friends for a yeah. hundred years she's and she's lovely. brilliant, but she also like, you need people who, you need people who know what it is that you're wanting to do and they know you and they can you also need people to be kind of like be like come on like this is not what you want to do or Mm -hmm. you know like i uh i don't i wouldn't be able to do anything without without kim or without katie like just being able to kind of point me in the right direction when i'm when i'm going what am i doing (laughs) has there ever been a time when either of those women you've been super excited about something and they have pulled the reins and said that would not be wise. Has there ever been a time when you, they needed to be the ones to say, ah, uh, no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. This week. Yeah. Well, and it's easy. I think there's moments when everything's going well and yeah. it's real easy to go this, you know what, we're going to say yes to this. We're going to say no to that. And then, and then something comes up and an opportunity comes up that, it's not a bad opportunity, but it doesn't really line up with what you're wanting right. to put out in the world. But maybe there's a do- some dollars associated with it. Right. And it's real easy to forget what you committed to do and to not right. do. And so th- that's one thing. Like I have Kim who works with me directly. And then my wife, Katie, both of them have veto power on anything. That's awesome. Like, so uh, that's been helpful. That's been helpful to be able to not, um, not constantly going like, should I do this? Should I not yeah, do this? Right. Kind of figure out together what we want to build and then don't let yourself be the one making all the decisions. <laughs> right. No, let other people into that room for sure. Yeah. Um, Taylor, we're aging. <laughs> yeah. And right now it's happening. In this very moment. <laughs> and I'm wondering as we age, this is definitely true for me, but I wonder about for you, are there people that you look to? I mean, you mentioned Katie and Kim as being kind of compatriots on that road, but are there any people that you find yourself looking to frequently for how to navigate this stage? And I'm talking, Mm -hmm. you can, this could be professionally as a, you're an amazing dad and husband, um, as a human being, like how, are there other people in, I'm sure it's a small group. It is for me yeah. Yeah, that you're yeah. thinking, yeah, that person, I would, I would, 
I think this would work if I would just try to do some of that character stuff that that person's doing. Do you have people like that? Oh yeah, for sure. Like, um, and it is, and you're right. It is a very small group. I mean, yeah. I've got, um, we, I mean, we, our mutual friend, Bob has been mm -hmm. probably the biggest voice, um, when it comes to like both professionally and then like personally things that, that have, uh, have impacted us in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I have, I have a very small group of friends who are in, in a similar, uh, career path. So like okay. I have a friend who's a comedian who travels a bunch and understands, but is also a dad mm -hmm. and, uh, and a husband and, and trying to navigate, you know, how, how do you, how do you, how do you do all these things that you're committed to doing right. and be the person you're committed to being and also just like not burn out, you right. know? Um, so I think you have to have people who understand you need a shorthand with people who understand what uh -huh. it's like, just like you and I can talk about projects and yep. go like, we don't need to explain. Well, see here, I am excited. I am excited, right, right. but I'm also terrified. <laughs> and I'm also, you know, I feel like I'm the only person that can do this and simultaneously feel like, well, like, who am Everyone I to do this? Has done yeah. this? Yes. So I feel like you need people who get your yeah, world. And, you know, when I, years ago, when I was a, uh, on staff at a church, like that schedule was so different. Like my family didn't get, my extended family didn't get why, we're never at birthday parties. You can't plan a party on a Sunday and expect us to be there. You, right. you know what I mean? It's just not right. going to happen. In the in the same thing now, in this kind of season of life, doing what we do now, you need people who, who understand it and who you don't have to constantly be explaining where you're coming from. Mm. Um, I found that having one or two or three voices like that that can really... Um, just remind you like, Hey, you're, you're, what you're feeling right now is exactly what you should be feeling. Yes. That's not, you're not crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I find that's it good. Very helpful. I mean, how many times do I call you and go, Kim, I don't need anything. I just have to say this because no one else understands this yeah. thing. No, same. Um, I do that to you as well. Most recently about <laughs> 10 days ago, we're coming back to that call. Um, yeah. I love that idea of shorthand. There's yeah. something really powerful in the shorthand when you don't have to do the preamble yeah, and you don't have to explain not just your motivation, but who you are and how you're not this, but you are this. That is, man, that's such a gift. Um, mm. Okay. I want to talk about your new book. You have a new project, Taylor. I don't know if I, you're remembering. It's a new book and I'm so excited about it. And I got to read an early copy, which is one of the perks of being your friend. <laughs> and um, your new book is about misdirection. Yes. This is a very interesting idea that you have pulled from your professional work as a magician, or as you like to say to the Baptist, an illusionist. <laughs> um, so so people get nervous before they see what it is. <laughs> so true. Listen, I get it. I grew up in the era of our team. Okay. Oh, we can, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. So, so as a professional, one of your principal jobs is to misdirect me and to misdirect the audience, right? So you yeah. make us see or not see what you want. And I love this. I am actually totally down for this. As you know, I have seen you perform many, many times. Have I ever asked you how to do a trick? No. No, because I don't want to know. I yeah. love not knowing. I love yeah. the wonder and the mystery. And I love watching you do your thing and think, oh my gosh, he just totally fooled me again. And yeah. I love that. I love the suspension of disbelief. I don't even read 
the backs of books. I don't want to know what the book is about. I don't really even need to know about what a movie is. If you tell me it's a good movie, I'll just go. So I'm that camp, but you make a really powerful argument that misdirection can be very dark. Mm. And I'm wondering first how you decided to camp on this idea, because as you and I both know, when you write a book, you alluded to this, you spend rounding down eight million hours. (laughs) Yeah. With this yeah. idea, and you could yeah. have picked any. So yeah. why this? I so I am obsessed with wonder. We've talked about it uh, uh, exhaustively. Um, I feel like I feel like nowadays we're so used to knowing things and having access to answers and information and carrying supercomputers yeah. in our pocket that there's something really beautiful and powerful about showing somebody that they don't have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Not in a way where it's like, look what I can do that you can't do. Right. But in a way that that reminds us, oh, number one, not only do we not have it all locked down and mm-hmm. we can still grow and learn, but also just because we don't know something doesn't mean that we couldn't learn it or know it or discover it. So in in the in a magic show or in a, a you know performance of a trick misdirection is beautiful because we sign up we you sign up when you go to a magic show you go i know this person's going to fool me but i also know they're doing it to give me something not to take something from me ah and uh there's a difference between being misdirected when you sign up for it when you buy a ticket to a magic show versus you don't always expect to be misdirected when you go into a meeting at the office or you walk into a situation where you're going to purchase a new home or uh, you sit in a pew on Sunday morning. Like we just assume in every other scenario that people are on our behalf when in reality, the only people that are misdirecting that are on your behalf are the magicians who tell you, honestly, I'm going to lie to you, but it's, it's to give you something. Every other place misdirection is stealing from us. So I, I've just noticed, I think everybody has, has noticed a shift and a change culturally to where, mm. um, I don't know, over the last four or five years, it just seems like what's real, what's not, who do I trust? Who are the experts? What, you know, who's on my behalf? Who's just trying to like pull the wool over my eyes right. and, and not in a weird conspiracy sort of way, just in, um, the whole idea of even like now with AI, it's like it, the, the, the lines are getting blurred between mm-hmm. illusion and reality across the board in our world. And I think uh, if we can use magic as a metaphor, if I can teach you a simple magic trick and then explain Which how Which you that, do in the book. Yeah. 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 And then it's explain amazing. How that, I don't read those sections because <laughs> I don't want to know. Did you not, did but, you not read them? No, no I, I love it. No. But I think a lot of people will absolutely be all over that. I have four people of the five <laughs> in my house who will be all about that. So you lift the veil on some of those tricks. Yeah. So I, and I feel like I'm rambling now, but basically the the whole premise of the book is I've spent my entire life studying how to deceive people for entertainment, Mm -hmm. but I've noticed how the same techniques I use to give you something have snuck into how we do business Mm -hmm. with each other, how we treat our neighbors, uh, what happens at church on Sunday morning, unfortunately, sometimes Mm -hmm. what happens when you go to the, the, the polling booth and you're, you know, Mm -hmm. or when you're going to, to vote. And so, uh, I think just this book is not about getting people to think a certain way. It's just about getting people to ask more questions Mm -hmm. and, and to not take things at face value and to realize that if something feels off, misdirection might be right there around the corner if we're not careful. Hi, 
everybody. Just a quick break here to let you know about a fun resource for all of you visual people. Did you know that you can watch for real on YouTube? It's true. You can see when I'm wheeze laughing off camera, take note of when the lawnmower kicks up outside my window, and see all of these conversations unfold in real time. So if you are more of a watcher than a listener, head on over to the Kimberly Stewart YouTube channel and pop some corn. We will be happy to see you there. And now back to the conversation. I felt when reading your book and sometimes when I hang out with you, like a naive little non-magician because (laughs) you spot it from a mile away. There's this great piece in the book where you talk about um, Vegas Mm. and you peel back the layers of a street performer, a street magician that, you know, we've all been there, not just Vegas, but people coming around, watching the shell game, watching whatever, we're completely in. And you say that's not unlike buying a car. Yeah, And you make a very powerful <laughs> argument about that. So talk to me about first, why are we so easily duped? And when I say we, I mean me. Yeah. Um, and what should we be watching for? And I'd love for you to talk about Vegas, because for the average person, we don't know what they're doing. What are they doing? Yeah. Well, they, okay. So there's there's a game that's played in Las Vegas, and it's played in in New York and California and Chicago, and it's not played in the casino. It's played on the street out right. front of the casino, and it's usually uh, someone will have a, a overturned trash can they're using as a table or an upside down cardboard box, and sometimes they've got three different playing cards they're mixing up. Sometimes they've got three cups and there's a ball under it. Sometimes they use three halves of a walnut and a pea. Um, it's called different names. It's called the Monty. It's called find the lady, but whatever it's called, whatever they're using, it's, it's presented as a game that you can win. Right. And the entire thing is orchestrated to where you cannot win, uh, to down, down to the point where, um, uh, you know, you'll, you'll walk up onto the scene and you'll see somebody throwing the cards and, uh, someone else will walk up in a nice business suit and they'll drop a hundred dollars down. They'll bet they'll win and they'll walk away. And everyone's like that guy, I, I saw what I that guy just that. saw. I could do that. Mm-hmm. And so you bet. And what you don't realize is that the person throwing the cards has studied the same skills magicians use to entertain with card tricks um, but this is not a game of chance. It is every move is orchestrated mm. and chore- choreographed to make sure you leave without your money. And the person you saw win and walk away is a is a an accomplice oh of the gosh. of of the person who is sure. there um uh running the Monty. The whole idea is to draw you in and to get you to think, oh, this is good for you. And then it switches. And so the question is, where else is that happening in life? And and in that section, I really talk about, you know, sometimes we're misdirected by others. And it's it's easy to look at the guy throwing the cards and being like, oh, that guy's cheating people. But it, it's our sometimes it's our own selfishness, our own desire to win quick or get rich scheme that clouds our vision. And um, I, I shared a vulnerable moment of going to a car dealership and we're like, we're just going to look around. Mm-hmm. And I had convinced myself that I'm not buying a car. But everything about this experience was tailored to get me to a point where I feel like not only, not only is this the car for me, but I feel like I made that decision all on my own. That's it. Yeah. And then sometimes we spend 
you know, my father-in-law was the one who said like, people have to, he told me, he said, people have to convince themselves after the fact that they made the right decision. So when totally. someone buys a new car, all they can talk about, this car is so great. And oh yeah, you know, it's like uh, you, you buy a new car and you never noticed that that car before, but now that's all you see because you're, you're trying to convince yourself, not only did I make the right decision, all these other people made the right decision. Right. Um, and that's, you know, it's one thing when it comes to buying a car. It's another thing when it comes to, you know, how we treat other people mm -hmm. or how we're interacting with our neighbors or are we giving people in our businesses the opportunity to grow and to, to develop or are we taking advantage of them and manipulating them? And so the book just unpacks different ways that that can kind of sneak in if we're not careful. We're very good um, convincers to ourselves, I think. I think we are very excited to write narratives post yeah. post event to help us decide that we did the right thing. And I think your argument is take one second or 50 and think about that a little bit more critically. Um, mm. I have to ask before we leave, find the lady, which is yeah. definitely <laughs> something I'm going to throw around to my teenagers tonight. <laughs> it's not, maybe not the best name. I, that, that, that's usually when there's the like lady. two two aces or two kings and then there's oh. a queen like the queen oh, of I hearts no i thought maybe yeah, it was so the p anyway yeah, no, no. Um, when or the monty when you monty. see that in real life in your yeah. own life as a just a spectator or put person walking down the street is it hard yeah. for you not to go up to the people around the monty players and say you shouldn't do it uh it's a very dangerous thing to interfere because Is you have to it? yeah yeah there was a gentleman recently who um uh is a uh how do i keep this vague there's a place in la where a lot of magicians hang out okay. and down the street it's hollywood boulevard and, okay. and this game is played a lot on hollywood boulevard and this young young kid who was kind of newer to the group and was learning a lot about magic he thought uh he performed a version of this in his stage show and he thought hey i'm gonna go and I'm going to play and I'm going to see if I can catch these guys. And I can win some money. And because um, as a magician, you know, you, you know, you yeah. know, you know uh -oh. exactly where the cards are when they're convincing everyone else they're somewhere else. And so he won. And the guy's like, why don't you play again? And he's like, no, I'm good. And he walked away and he was attacked <gasps> by friends of the the guy throwing the Monty. So it's a there's a lot of there's oh a lot gosh, of stories of people. Oh, my gosh, this took a turn. <laughs> There's a lot of stories of people um, uh, who are, you know, they get in trouble. They get in trouble for interfering with somebody's, wow. so somebody's you livelihood you on the street. You walk right on by. No. Yeah. No. No interfering. Okay, yeah. that's good to know. Wow, I, li I live such a quiet life. I've never been attacked by a writer ever. No one. You used that same metaphor in chapter four. I will you I'm jumping you with my fellas that's very dramatic uh, oh my um, goodness okay taylor you tell yeah. us and you actually already just tiptoed into this you say the okay. antidote to misdirection is asking more questions yeah but not of the monty people in general asking more questions yeah yeah so, i think co coach us on that because that seems so, like a really that seems like something i can do yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, one of the things you were you you had said just a moment ago is that we sometimes misdirect ourselves. We we get to a point once. OK, here, a question I like to ask people is when was the last time you changed your mind about something? And it could be as simple as I used to not like grilled onions and now I love grilled onions, you know, but but it's harder as we get older in life That's to great. change to change our mind about things that are important issues, because 
uh, especially politically or spiritually, if you change your mind and by changing your mind, you realize I've, I've maybe been approaching this the wrong way mm -hmm. or maybe the way I think, you know, I've always thought I'm, I'm a compassionate person, but I realized this, this belief or this association with this organization or with this political person or whatever, like that has kept me from loving people. Like mm -hmm. I think I love people. It, it can be hard to change your mind because then you have to deal with the fact that for years I've not been as loving or compassionate. And so um, this is why I think it gets harder as we get older to change our opinions. And, you know, people say they get, yo, you got set in your ways. And sometimes I think it's not because we can't see that there's a different way to do it, but it's just so painful sometimes to admit that maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I've been wrong. Right. And, and, uh, and I think that's a great, that's a great thing to do is just ask yourself those questions of like, you know, where, where in my life might I be wrong? And right. if I am, what are the consequences of that? And when was the last time I looked at this from a different angle mm -hmm. in a different perspective? Mm -hmm. I think the longer I live, Taylor, the more I see humility as the superpower of all superpowers. Yeah. I think that is the, that's the gig. That's where yeah. I want to land that's every so time good. that it, which is so countercultural, right? I mean, it, not in not very many spaces publicly, if you're reading the news, if you're looking online, if you're looking on social media, most things that get the playtime are not humble things. But right. I think that's, the, I think that's actually top, top of mind. Yeah. Um, I see that in my parent, my parents are very humble. And when you're talking about kind of reframing recently, my dad and I, um, we like, I partner with a group here called Joppa and they, they make relationships with and come alongside folks who are dealing with homelessness. Mm. And so my kids and I often on Sunday afternoons get to go and do some rounds of bringing food and playing. It's really stinking cold here. Yeah, and so yeah. there are entire teams who go around bringing propane tanks during the winter, um, two tents. Yeah. It's really something. Um, and I don't, I just get to come alongside. I have absolutely no, I'm grateful to know the folks who do this for real all the time. But my dad came once and he was a dentist for years in our hometown, just retired. And he was very, he will hate it if he ever hears me talking about this. So I don't think he listens to this podcast. Okay. So don't worry about it. But mom, don't tell him. Mom, mom listens. Mom, mom don't does. tell him. <laughs> mom loves you and would like to extend another Thanksgiving invitation to you. Let's go. Let's um, do it. And your whole family. So my dad, I thought was so interesting. He had a lot of history of um, being very generous with folks who are on assistance for dental care. Yeah. And so he won't like me saying this, but I'm okay. just going to say for decades, that has been part of his work. Yeah. Um, and he got in the car after the first few stops and he said, I did not know that this level of need and poverty um, existed here. He said, mm -hmm. I feel like I've never, I feel, I mean, he basically said what you're saying. I, I was wrong. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Not yeah. that he'd had to do a huge correction. My point is he's 70 some and he had thought he knew what the poor in our city were dealing with. He had no idea. Right. I had no right. idea that yeah. in plain sight, this was happening. And I loved that moment because it yeah. reminded me, this is where I'm headed. This is what I want. Mm 
I want to be 75 and to say, I didn't know. I thought I had a handle on this, right? Like people probably in his community and his professional community thought he had a handle on what does it look like to, to need something in Des Moines? Nope. No idea. And I loved it that he said it. So may we be people like that, right? May we say, I just didn't know. I didn't know. My, my, my view was not big enough. I didn't know what I didn't know. That's a really winsome way to live. It's that's beautiful. And look at the impact that it had on you for right. to hear your dad say that as an adult, to hear your dad say that. As an adult. And I I, I I mean, I think as a little kid, it's hard because you've you're kids by nature question things. They question everything. They're constantly asking questions. And what happens for what happened for me is I'm always I'm questioning and I'm wondering and I don't have anything figured out and I'm aware of what I don't know, but it seems like everybody else has it figured out. Uh-huh. And, totally. then as a, <laughs> and then as adults, you start talking to your friends and you're like, oh, you don't have it figured out either. And then we realize that like everybody is trying. We're all going through life for the first time yeah. together. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know totally. What I mean? Unless you believe that this is round two, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. for, right. but, but like this, like, I don't know what it's like to be, I just turned 43. I don't know what 43 is like. Right. I'm learning what 43 is like, you know, I'm learning what it's like to have an 18 year old child. I'm learning what it's like to, you know, navigate a 15 year old who's learning how to drive. Like I'm learning all these things. And I think that the more open we can be with each other of like, I don't have it all locked down. Right. Because I think we live in a world where everyone's pretending for the most part to have it all figured out. And then we sit quietly and feel like we're the only one who doesn't. And, and, and so your openness and willingness to ask questions is actually, it, it, it's, it's, it's allowing other people to see that they're not the only one who needs to, you know, examine things. So, mm-hmm. so, Good and true. And may I ask even more questions today? Um, <laughs> I have some for you, actually. Uh, speaking I, don't, of, I don't have the answers. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you about, I'm watching our time and I know you have other things to do, but I would just love um, to know a little bit about two spheres of misdirection. Okay. And then I got another humdinger. The oh, first are... by the way, can I just say, and for listeners, you already know, one of my favorite things about Kimberly Stewart <laughs> is the fun <laughs> words you use. You find words like humdinger uh, and wallop, you know, like words oh, that like, like people don't use these words. We have so many beautiful words. This is why you need a friend who's a real author who like Kim, <laughs> who are like, offer. oh my goodness, the man yeah. who wrote two books. No, you um, use like real funny. words. Fun ones. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's called when everyone else was playing soccer, I was on the porch <laughs> reading. So you can weigh whether or not that was a good decision. I don't the know. The word of the day is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I needed that for sure. Um, okay. Two spheres, social okay. media. Okay. And an election season. I want you to remember yeah. I live in Iowa. We are just yes. coming through the caucuses. Praise Jesus. The circus has left town. No one cares about me again for three and a half years. It's really great for a while. People come up and down my street all day long. I'm not even joking. And really? I get a lot of mail. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Probably 20 pieces of mail a day from different candidates. And then all Incredible. of a sudden, immediately it stops and I throw a party in my heart. Yes. Yeah. But I'm saying we're going in to we're another season in. of that. And social media is connected to that. So how... Since you've spent so much time thinking about 
how misdirection can be used to our peril and to our good, good in your work, not so good other places. Um, How do we live through those two spheres, I guess, without total disillusioned misdirection? We can ask questions, right? So we can, we can look, but tell me how to do that. Tell us how to um, do that. I think, and this is one of the things that, again, like I said, I'm. Uh, this book is not a book of answers. It's a book right. of more questions. And yeah, so every chapter ends with, here's some questions to ask yourself. Uh, one of the right. things that I, I, I put in the book, because it's a thing I ask myself constantly, is when it comes to social media, first of all, how do I have a plan for how I'm going to use social media? I think one of the problems with... Uh, first of all, I have seen beauty and connection and community through the internet in a way I, that like I never saw in person because of our ability to ex- uh, be accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I've watched my uh, I've watched my 18 year old daughter, uh, who's an artist, develop this beautiful like community of people that she would have never been in contact with if people weren't sharing their creative work and encouraging one another. Um, and we've all seen the detrimental side of it as well. I think the big question for me is how, just like in any area of your life, if you look at, you know, um, your, your health or your mental health or your work life or your family, like we approach everything with a lot of intention and and with social media, we tend to kind of just scroll aimlessly. Mm. Um, a, a rule that, that I have kind of tried to live by and I'm not always great at it is uh as i try to make sure that i'm i'm using uh it creatively and not just as a consumer okay talk to and me about so, that um uh when my when my 18 year old was first getting on when she was younger when she was first getting on social media and she wanted to share her art i said great mm-hmm. you can use it to create and to share what you've created but i don't want you just sitting there observing other people's lives all day uh-huh. Uh-huh. um and so i think it's great to like uh, think, what am I, what, every time we interact on social media, we are changing the way social media is, right? We are, it's like every time you interact in the office, you're changing the environment and the culture of that place. And so I think if we go on social media and we think about what is, what is my interaction doing for the community as Uh a whole? Am I sharing things that are encouraging, that are hopeful, that are fun, that are uplifting, that are inspiring? Mm, That's good. Or am I just going on there and going like, I can't believe she wore that outfit to the Oscars. Like, is that making the world a better place? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Are you contributing? Are you giving to something instead of just mooching? Yes. I think if you look at social media as, uh, as if you approach it as this is our community online, um, if you walked into a room at work and you just complained about everything, that's not going to be a fun place for people to work. And I, and I think, um, the, uh, there's another thing I talk about in the book is when I was a kid, there was like two movie critics that I knew it was a Siskel and Ebert. Ebert. And then everybody else in the business was making things, but the people who made a living as a critic, there was like just a handful of people. And now there's actually entire, uh, industry built around critique and reaction videos and reviews. And so, um, I just, I think we need to just be intentional about what are we doing to add, you know, people go like, oh, I go on Facebook and I just feel bad. Well, what can you do when you go on Facebook that's going to help someone else feel better? That's, we can't really control all of it, but if we all start throwing a little encouragement in the pot, then overall, I think we'll see a shift and a change. Any wise words about entering another political season? 
Yeah. So, um, and misdirection. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think the biggest. Don't you thing, love how I just like punted that to you? And I'm no, not it's great. And it's, it's a huge look. And I and I, and again, I will say this again. I have very carefully written this book to not this book. I don't want this book to be full of my opinions. It's not, it's, and it doesn't set up camp anywhere. This is for all of humanity. And 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 it's because misdirection is a is a every person issue for right? sure. Uh, uh, politically, it's not like uh, oh the Democrats are nobody's doing this. clean. Oh the Republicans are doing that. Uh -uh. Yeah, and that's uh, that's one thing I want to encourage you is every, if everything you're hearing is pointing the finger at somebody else, um, in magic, one of the like the definition of misdirection is getting you to look over here so you don't see what's happening over here. Uh huh. And so if the people that you're listening to on the news, on your trusted resources for politi political information, your candidates, if they're constantly pointing their finger at someone else, all that's doing is taking the attention off of them and answering the questions that we should be asking of, you know, what, what is it that you're bringing to the, to, to the situation that's going to make it better? When I was a kid, my dad loved Chevys. And because he loved Chevys, he would talk about Chevys and how much he loved them and he would mm -hmm. point them out. And I, and I could tell you the difference between a taillight on a 1953 Chevy versus a 54 Chevy. And I could tell you that the, the, this one had a, a certain visor that the other one didn't have, you know, because he loved it. And that's what he knew. He talked about it, but by, by only talking about this um, type of car, it, it made me by default, just not like Fords. I didn't, I didn't know anything about Fords. I never drove a Ford. I didn't know anyone who owned a Ford, but I just assumed Chevys are good, Fords are bad. I I had done what a lot of us do with uh, sports teams where we pick a team and we go like, these people are good, these people are bad. And I think the same thing can happen politically where we join a party or we join a, an ideology and we assume that any other thought or experience that doesn't line up with our thoughts and our experience is it, we treat people like an enemy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think it, it's just a, it's a good reminder to realize that anytime you have uh, a system that's built on, here's two ideologies and, and everybody on the planet is unique. Their experiences are uni unique, who they are, you know, uh, what they want the world to be. Like. All, we're unique individuals. And yet we're like, you've got two options fit fully into <laughs> one of these things. Right. And not only fully support this, but attack fully anything that's this. not that. Yeah, right. And so, I uh, I would just I would I would say that um, if if you've if you have uh, kind of a brand loyalty to any specific party or ideology or person, and you're not examining what else other people are saying, um, uh, it it it's something to investigate. Isn't it ironic that usually? the way we believe the world should work and what's right and what's wrong happens to just benefit us to feel that way and to think that way. Right? Like, um, if, if none of your beliefs politically or spiritually are inconvenient to mm. you, right? Like, mm. like, I feel like if you believe to make the world a better place, there should be some sacrifice on your mm -hmm. end. But if everything that you support is only things that make your, you know, retirement look better or that support this this specific mm -hmm. organization that you want to be, you know what I'm saying? Like totally. If if my beliefs about what makes right and wrong only make my life better, that's a huge red flag. That right. that's something you should definitely examine. Yeah. Let's talk about church. 
Because okay. even the things that you just said are so antithetical to what Jesus said. <laughs> Jesus yeah. was real big on discomfort. Yeah. Um, he didn't he didn't actually say a whole lot about, you know, blessed are the comfortable, you will remain comfortable. Right. It's very he talked really differently. Yeah. You had a one man show recently we mentioned in um, LA, which I loved beyond loving, by the way, I was deathly ill that night and did not tell you, I would not have missed it. Of course we flew out first of all. And second of all, it was not a little skit. It was 90 <laughs> minutes. You guys listen to this. 90 <laughs> minutes, one man show. I, I think I was talking with our friend Stephanie afterwards and I was like, I don't understand the level of amazingness, not a word. <laughs> that is required of a person to hold the attention of a room packed with people, a theater packed with people for 90 minutes. You had not one script. Maybe you had notes that I couldn't see. You're the misdirection king. Anyway, it was phenomenal. It was such a beautifully written, beautifully oh, performed show. And it really was a kind of an un wrapping of this idea of misdirection in faith circles. Yeah. And you have a very personal story about that. I would love for you to say whatever you want about your experience. But I'd love for you also to weigh in on how we, for the people who are following Jesus who are listening right now, how yeah. we can and should expect better of each other when it comes to misdirection and faith. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. First of all, like the fact that you guys were there was, it was unbelievable. It, 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 it meant joy. so, so much it. to me, so much to me. I, um, I spent years, uh, uh, 13 years on staff at a local church. Um, it was a large church, a evangelical mega church, 10,000 members. Um, I, I was there from the time I was eight years old to the time I was 33 years old. Um, Sorry, I just got caught on 10,000 members. Holy smokes. It was, it was a church. It was a lot. It was a, it was a big place. And, um, and some of the most impactful things in my life in a positive way happened there. Um, and, and yet, uh, as things more than we would like to admit happen, things got off track. I think that, um, um, sometimes things that start really uh, with a lot of great intention can get, can get sidetracked. You know, when it, when a ministry starts and they don't have 10,000 people in big budgets and buildings and resources, it's all built on faith and loving people because that's all you got, you know? Right. And then uh, there's something that happens. And I think it happens in businesses as well that I've seen where once you amass um, some, once you've built something, if we're not careful we can forget what built that was community and love and in, in all of this. And um, the attention goes from continuing to be what you said you wanted to be about to maintaining what you have. And then decisions shift from being about how can we reach people with this message to how do we hang on to the mm. influence and mm. the, the size of offerings and the attendance and all of that. And unfortunately, that's that's where things went uh, at the, at the church that I was at. I I was um for years I was involved in youth ministry, and we didn't really see you know as when you're not involved deeply involved in an organization on a on a uh, leadership level, you don't know why the decisions are being made. But we all again, this is why th this book misdirection and asking questions I feel like is important. Is we assume and I and I was taught you know, we don't know everything, but leadership does, and they're making the right choices. Mm -hmm. And so we just trust that that's what's happening. 
And then at a certain point, um, my role shifted and, and was given more responsibility. And now I, overnight I'm in all the meetings and I'm starting to see why the decisions are being made. And it wasn't, um, uh, us leaving that, that situation wasn't like we had a change of heart. It was realizing, Oh, what we say we're about and how we're actively living that out do not line up. Mm -hmm. So we say we're about loving the community and we say we're about building Jesus and what it turned out to be was a lot more about self-promotion and building a platform for individuals. And um, for a while after we left, I, I felt like, man, that's what a bummer that that unique, weird thing happened at our at our church where I had been since I was a kid. Uh, and then unfortunately, uh, I've seen it and we've we've all seen it. You know, it seems like every week there's a new scandal in in a church. Yeah, there's a whole chapter on misdirection in the church and in some ways that maybe we can we can continue to safeguard our communities and look out for it. But um, I will say this, too. I, I think there's a lot of hope. I, I have for the last 10 years, I have. Um, I have continued to live out my faith and my beliefs in, in a different way. And not that the way I'm doing it is right or wrong. I just feel like um, there's a lot of people I've ran into who would never step foot into a church who are very interested in the teachings of Jesus, but they just don't see them lived out um, in, in some of the places that they've been invited to. And so I, I think if we can get back to making it about um people and community and less about programming and you know what is cool then i think uh i think uh i think there's some hope there so mm. uh, yeah book dives into that a bunch i think a case could be made that jesus died um because he exposed misdirection he exposed rotten power and so uh i think you're in the right I think you're in the right mm. lane if you're looking in that direction because he did. And mm. he had very, very little good to say about people who wield the good news of freedom mm. as a weapon. I'm going to let you go. But before I do, I would like to look into your eyes <laughs> and tell you, you are such a dear gift to me. I'm going to try mm. not to cry. But I want to tell you a couple of weeks ago, you called me or I called you, I can't remember which, and I was a little bit of a mess. I mean, <laughs> you're going to probably have to go through the call log to think which one, which mess, which which mess call was this? And you were so kind to me. I don't even know if you remember mm -hmm. this. You were so kind. You kind of paused and you said, I hope you can just enjoy all of the good things. I think mm -hmm. you, I just hope you can enjoy that. It's not so crazy that you can't enjoy it. Yeah. And I got off the phone and I cried because mm -hmm. I thought I have been missing it. I've been so focused on the wrong thing. I have been absolutely misdirected by my own darn self. And you gave me a gift, Taylor. You said what was true and you do that for me over and over. You perpetually lift my eyes to the better mm -hmm. thing. So I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for your friendship. And I want to thank you for being exactly who you are. You are a gift to people, including to my own darn self. So thank you. Well, now I'm crying. <laughs> well, we'll sign off then. I'm, I adore I'm you. I'm so grateful to you. And uh, I, I just, yeah, I mean, my my life would be massively different had you not entered it. And, and uh, I would have never written a book. I'll tell you that for sure. And you <laughs> and could say that- too. You, 
Yeah, you get you know, but you could say, "Oh, Bob encouraged you." Well, totally. Bob was telling me for years to write, and I never did. Um, well, so, I think you that you're giving me way too much credit. You you did all the hard work, but yeah. I'm just grateful to have a front row seat. So, thank you for being Gosh. here today. Thank you for being you. Say hi to Katie and the girls, and come back soon. I will anytime, anytime, as long as I can get the shed unlocked. <laughs> not love Taylor and his family more than I do. I hope you grab a copy or 800 of Misdirection, a magician's guide to spotting and avoiding manipulation in your life. Not only will it pull back the curtain on how to spot when you're getting played and not just in Vegas, but it will also get you serious points as an amateur magician. I am telling you party tricks of legendary status. That's it for today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for reviewing and sharing this conversation with anyone who needs a shot of hope and encouragement. And thanks for coming back soon. I'll see you right here for real.